Hi, everyone. Um, last week, Ruth Koch kicked off our series of women and justice. And I'm sure no one's jealous of the fact that I have to follow a Ruth talk. Um, and she laid some really strong foundations for us to consider. And if you missed last week, can I just encourage you just to spend 20 minutes listening to Ruth's talk? Because there's some really useful foundations, examples from the Bible, and just things that really set this series up. So first of all, I'm just going to go back to basics. And for those of you not familiar with this series, and if you're wondering why women is such an important topic within our justice series, then I'm going to give you a quick refresh. So justice is something that Christians should be at the center of and in pursuit of. The previous topics we've explored on climate change, refugees, disability, they're all areas in society which receive unfair criticism, they're misunderstood, and they're often misrepresented. And that's where, importantly, voices of justice are needed. This series is not a long-awaited opportunity for women in the church to come up and preach about feminism, but it's rather to share experiences to share stories and to drench those stories in faith, in hope, and in love. And it's also to open up a conversation and raise awareness. And this also isn't intended to exclude men, but it's rather to show how men and women can walk alongside each other to seek justice and share perspectives. So I also want to state the obvious that I stand here in a position of immense privilege. Um, exactly as Ruth noted last week, our perspectives and our experiences are intended to open up a wider dialogue and prompt action. I don't know all the answers. If you do, let me know. And as this series continues, you'll hear from other amazing women, including Carol, who's going to bring this topic more to life with other experiences. There's going to be talks of women in the workplace, women in leadership. We're going to look at Jesus and the woman at the well. And also, there's going to be discussions with other women in the church about their own experiences. But first of all, I want to start by telling you a story. A father and his son are involved in a horrific car crash. The man dies at the scene. But when the child arrives at the hospital and is rushed into the operating theatre, the surgeon pulls away and says, I cannot operate on this boy. He's my son. So how can this be? Who is the surgeon? You might have seen this before and you might know the answer, but just have a little think. Who is the surgeon? It is, of course, the surgeon is a woman. And around 50% of people who are asked this question do not know the answer because of their own unconscious bias. Many of us associate the job of a surgeon as a male role, and it's the assumptions and perceptions, just like this, 
that create a barrier to how women are considered and treated in society today. On the 8th of May, 2022. So I'm going to talk a little bit about unconscious bias, and if that's immediately made you switch off, let's call it assumptions and perceptions that we all have, and things that influence our pursuit of justice and also how society treats women. So I've been stood here for about four minutes, and in that time, if you don't know me, um, you've likely come to some conclusions about me based on my age, my race, my gender, my accent, how I'm stood, what I'm wearing. And these conclusions are based on preconceived ideas that you've pulled from your subconscious, on your own experiences in life, what you've seen around you, and you've created a profile of me that I'm married, that I have children. And you may have heard me speak on this pre previous series on climate change and are now quaking in your boots that I'm about to read you the rules of feminism, having just read you the rules of environmental action. And the assumptions that you may or may not have made about me are not your conscious fault. It's the culture we're a part of that forms our opinions over time. But it's actually not always helpful. I'm going to start at the actual beginning, which is Genesis. So Genesis 1:27. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I'm sure we're all really familiar with this verse, um, but actually, I think it's perhaps the most important verse where we have to consider the role of women and also the role of equality. Humankind were created in his image. Men and women were created in his image. Each and every one of us, everyone we know, everyone we don't know, those in V Kids, those in the youth, were all created in his image. And also, when you think about it in such simplistic terms, you've kind of got to wonder why equality and justice for women is actually an issue. The culture that we are a part of shapes our opinions, it shapes our attitudes, it shapes the assumptions that you've made about me, about what I'm talking about. And then when we're presented with information, our brain automatically shortcuts to make a decision. And it suggests an immediate answer or an immediate solution. And these shortcuts are formed by our cultural environment. So it's based on our backgrounds, what we've experienced ourselves, what we've seen around us. But it's actually wrong quite a lot of the time. The surgeon's dilemma is always a great example of that. We shortcut immediately to a role and see what we think we see. We're using instinct rather than analysis. Um, last year, the England rugby team won the Six Nations. It was the team's fourth consecutive title win, and actually they had a winning streak of 23 matches. I am, of course, talking about the women's England rugby team. Definitely not the case for the men's. 
And this is a really binary example and probably unfair uh, to choose something that we so closely associate in our culture with men. But it is an answer that I think demonstrates our own unconscious bias and how that's a great example of instinct playing out before analysis. Um, I expect, actually, as I started talking about the winning streaks, that was um, a massive you know, reveal. Um, so if we acknowledge that our opinions are shaped by our cultural experiences, then I think we also need to think about the role that our culture plays in our lives. And also where we can swim against that tide of our culture. We also need to look at Jesus and the role he played in the culture that he was a part of, which Ruth talked about last week as well. I'm not just copying Ruth's talk. Um, Jesus was proactive in how he interacted with women. And as we all know, that certainly was not the norm of the culture that he was a part of. He spoke with, he spoke about, he healed, he had strong bonds with women throughout his lifetime. He challenged the presumptions of how women were treated. So in John 8, a woman is brought before Jesus and they ask him how she should be treated since she's an adulterer. He answers, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. His intention to challenge the culture he was a part of was not exclusive to women, but it was certainly inclusive of women. He continued to challenge cultural norms, and it was, as we spoke about last week, the golden thread that weaved its way through Jesus' ministry and his message of love and of liberation. If we look at Mark 12, it says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So in a faith where love is above all else, why is it that there is unfair treatment of women? This injustice, this imbalance, this misbalance that we see around us, it's the assumptions and the presumptions that we make around gender. And it's not God's heart. It's also not Christian. It is cultural. I'd argue that there's also been a blurring of what we see in our culture and in society, and then what bleeds its way into the church. As I mentioned before, when I came up to start speaking, you formed an opinion of me based on the things that you see, that you've experienced, things that you see around you. The more I've been speaking and sharing, I'm sure you've been tweaking your opinion somewhat. As a working woman in society, as a Christian woman, and as an unmarried woman in the church, there are various tides that I swim against, which are formed mainly by the assumptions of society. 
I can honestly say that I have experienced firsthand how the perceptions of a woman differs based on their marital status and whether they do or do not have children. Boxes are created and it's very hard to move out of them. It may seem unusual for a woman to be unmarried of my age, particularly in a Christian setting, but we all know it's incredibly common. And the assumption that it's not is damaging. It's damaging to those who are married, to, to those who are unmarried and single, but it's also damaging to those who are married. I also know for a fact that if that is the case for women, then it's certainly the case for men too. Our value as individuals and followers of Jesus is more than our marital status. The roles that men and women occupy in the church, in the media, in politics, at home and in work, it forms our opinions and it shapes us as people and it creates assumed roles and expectations. But we should, of course, be formed by Jesus not the roles that we see around us. And we need to follow his example. Be reminded of that golden thread that Ruth talked about, to seek justice and to seek equality for women, and to make that golden thread a conscious part of our lives. So how can we do this? Great example. In 1985, someone called Alison Bechdel created three simple measures in what she called the Bechdel test. It was to test the role and the representation of women in film. And the three criteria are that a film must have at least two named women in it who talk to each other about something other than a man. Around 56% of films pass this criteria, which means that over 40% of films that we consume don't. And there are some really surprising films being made today that don't pass this criteria. Sing 2, great film, doesn't pass the Bechdel test. No Time to Die, which is arguably the most feminist of all of the Bond films, I mean, don't get me started on the others, <laughs> does not pass, I mean, even Daniel Craig is not without blame in these things, I'm sure, um, but it does not pass the, the Bechdel test. However, I am pleased to report, in homage to this room and this stage, love actually does. Yeah. As does the passion of the Christ. So the reason I use the example of the Bechdel test um, is that something that sits really consciously helps to shift behavior. It's a great reminder to shift bias, to change representation, and also to ultimately seek justice and equality. So what can we as Christians do? Do we have our own Bechdel test that we could roll out as needed? Um, as I mentioned before, this is a big topic. Um, it's something that impacts us all in very different ways and where we also may have a difference of opinion or face differing opinions from others. 
But one thing is for certain, we need to seek God's heart in the pursuit of equality for women and also to stand up against injustice wherever we see it. So I've got five handy little markers for you all. We want to pray. We need to pray. I'm really conscious that this series is going to challenge us all in different ways. And it may mean that previous wounds and past injustices might come to the surface. We'll leave space to pray later on, but please use that time. And whether it's to hurt, to heal hurt or seek forgiveness, perhaps, in, in how you treat others or have been treated, I'd encourage everyone to pray into this and for your eyes to be opened. Talk. It's really important to talk about this stuff. If you're in a home group, then there are sets of questions that have been sent round and discussion questions that, that support this series. So use them. Discuss the topics raised. Share your experiences and grapple with some of the indifferences we might face. We are so privileged to have freedom to discuss this stuff. And we're so privileged to be part of a church family that embraces difference. So we might swim in a complex culture, but we have to work things through because we shouldn't do that in isolation. The third one is to challenge. Challenge behavior. Challenge words used. Challenge examples used. Um, the casual use of stereotypes, the roles that people are being fit in, whether or not it's at church, at home, in society, I don't mind, but challenge, calling stuff, in, calling stuff out and being accountable, it really matters. And we should really, as Christians, be stepping into that space. Um, thirdly, I'd say teach. Teach others about this. You know, there's other generations that are not in this room that could really value from your insights, your experiences. Vineyard kids, the youth, I mean, I speak from experience, there are a load of people out there who could really do with extra guidance, more support, leadership, biblical teaching, standing, walking alongside them. If you're interested, if you've got energy, if you've got, you know, the desire to do it, then please, please do. I was um, really touched last week by how Ruth spoke about her son being absolutely outraged that women weren't allowed to vote. Like that outrage and shock, that's right. That is totally right. And we need to ensure that that, that shock and outrage continues. I'd next say learn as well. Like we don't know all the answers. I, as I say, I don't know the answers either. But we can learn from each other, but also from younger generations. I'd really recommend doing the surgeon's dilemma with anyone you know, and just seeing what responses are like dependent on age as well. I think it's a really interesting way to, to learn from each other's experiences as well. Um, and we should see what's being done also around the world. You know, learn about what's happening globally. There are huge injustices outside of SW15, shockingly. And we should really know what they are and how we as Christians can support. 
Um, there's obviously as a, as a church, we support global charities and organisations. Look into them, see what can be done. There's a wealth of stuff there that just needs additional support, and it's heartbreaking. So I'm going to end um, just by saying that this is intended to open up a discussion. It's been in my intention to challenge you in thinking about why women are part of this justice series and how we can and how we should be seeking to ensure that men and women are treated as humankind. That we're treated as men and women who are made in God's image and that we're treated as men and women who we're called to love. So it's not just women we're talking about. It's just women. Really pleased myself with that. <laughs> so I'm going to invite the uh, band back up. And um, can you all stand and I'll just pray and then I'll hand over to Neil. So Lord, we pray with open hearts. We ask that you'd open our eyes, you'd open our hearts, and Lord, you'd open our minds to your word. Let your love flow through us, let your love flow out, flow out of us, and help us, Lord, to love our neighbour, regardless of gender. And Lord, I pray that you will set our feet in motion to fight against injustice wherever we see it. Speak to us now, Lord, and I pray that we would seek your heart. Amen. <laughs>